I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. It's Brian with 12-Pack Radio, and we tried something different with the show this week. We did a simulcast where we did video and we did the podcast all at the same time. And one of the things that you'll notice is that the sound of the podcast is a little different. And that's because we did a different type of audio setup. We were tooling around to try to figure out the best way to record. So what you'll notice is that Rob's voice is very booming and large, and mine is uh, fine. And, and normally Rob's uh, voice is booming and large. It's just more pronounced now that we're not, uh, we didn't record through a mixer. We'll fix that next week, so don't worry about that. Um, and the sound is fine. It's just not at the high level that we normally do. Um, so uh, we think that you'll enjoy the show, and the sound was fine enough for, for us to release it. So I hope you enjoy it. Just know that the sound is going to be legit in the coming weeks as we work through this, but uh, really fun to be able to do video and audio at the same time, something that we're going to continue messing around with as we continue to tinker with the podcast. So enjoy the show. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day! Yes, it is! For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling device. Simulcast version, simulcast version, we're going video, we're going audio, it is a crazy season, so we're throwing everything at the kitchen sink, trying to figure out what's sticking to the wall. And I am joined, as always, by Mr. Baderink himself, Mr. Rob Barron, the the uh, the president guru. I was trying to find up some some crazy thing to call you. Rob. I'm, I'm going to start going through the thesaurus, Rob. But welcome back to 12 Pack Radio. Welcome back to our listeners as we go towards what is likely to be an actual Pac-12 football season. Oh my! I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I am, and I realize I am a person that you know encouraged you know college football to move to the spring so that we can, and we have seen many games canceled. I still am like childlike giddy excited at the thought of we're going to get Pac-12 football in almost I mean a little over a month maybe uh you know in some cases perhaps so uh yeah there I mean not just for the you know the the, for us not having to to struggle for things to talk about (laughs) while everybody else is getting to play football but uh yeah I'm just oh I'm so excited to 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 get to see you know the the teams that we really care about the most Excited to have Adam Rittenberg on from ESPN. Excited to have Mike Yam on. I think we're going to integrate that portion of the show uh, and just have good people on the show throughout the season. That was something that I really enjoyed doing and getting some different insights. I really like talking with Adam about the Big Ten and what their plans are and kind of matching them up with the Pac-12. That was a really good conversation. So if you haven't heard it, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can on any podcast catcher, 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio where we're tweeting all that stuff out. And one of the cool things now is I can actually cut the clips of podcasts and like put up the fun stuff. So anyway, we're just, we continue to, to evolve as a show and really glad to have you all along for the ride. I guess we should open, Rob. We talked about it a little but it's the fact that Larry Scott has come out and said he's pretty optimistic about a Pac-12 season. Looks like they're looking around late October, maybe early November, depending on whether or not Chip Kelly actually wants to coach his football team. I know that's something that's been an issue. Uh, I also know that Stanford has been one of the teams that's kind of pulling back a little. Uh, I have I have a couple things that I wanted to talk about, Rob. But what you know what jumped out for you? I, I mean, this is great news. And it looks like most of the teams are on board and even the governors of California and Oregon, the ones that were most um, hardcore about making sure that players are, are in a position where they're safe and, and they're doing testing and all that stuff. It looks like they kind of want this to happen, too. So all around, it's I'm excited, but there still is a little bit of a chance that we might not have a season, in which case I will light this table on fire up. Right. <laughs> Do not. Don't you dare. Don't you dare yank this rug out from under me after you've done this. Right. <laughs> so the. uh yeah, I mean, it, like it all came together really fast after the you know the Big Ten you know turned it around. I mean, it is a little disappointing, of course, the Pac-12, which had handled their announcement of the delay of college football to the spring much better than the Big Ten. Yeah. All of a sudden, has it turned around 
And they are, you know, they, they look like they're totally following the Big Ten and that they didn't handle this one particularly well and that they weren't set up to go and that they hadn't had a lot of conversations, you know, before the fact. So, the, you know, the, both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten had signed the contracts with uh, Amgen, I believe, is the the rapid turnaround testing. Uh, and this is a, this is really exciting. You have, you know, point of, you know, point of contact testing results within 15 minutes. Um, but that allows for daily testing. This testing is actually more accurate than a lot of the testing that is going around right now. So this is this is excellent, right? I mean, like the you know to be able to do it, you know, to be able to do it safely, to be able to really get out ahead and do contact tracing, to be you know, and these these tests are accurate enough to be able to even find people that are asymptomatic. Um, so this is this is all really really good stuff. Um, it is disappointing though, like I like. We talked about like that the the Pac-12 wasn't more of a, a sort of a leader on this one, and they sort of sat back and let the Big Ten, um, you know, step forward and say we're going to play again and actually have a plan. The Pac-12 met on Friday, uh, you know, the CEO group met and did not come. I mean, they basically punted the decision to Thursday <laughs> of this next week on it. Um, you know, there are, I mean, the, the rumor mill is a little hot and heavy right now about, you know, schools that might not be ready to play. But I mean, I think the main thing that came out of it was, is that there had, people had been saying, and it seems like no one had really checked. People had been saying that, you know, with the rules in place from California and Oregon, like no one would be able to play. No one would be able to play. Um, you know, there, it seems like no one, even after the Pac-12 had gotten the new daily testing, no one had gone back and checked with Oregon or California and said, hey, we've got this new daily testing coming. Does that change things? We <laughs> cool? You up? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, you should, I mean, come on. I mean, it, that kind of thing. It didn't seem like there was, it seemed like they had signed the contract and said like, oh, this will definitely help us in the spring and didn't in any way think about, you know, trying to get back for the fall. I mean, some of it too is that, you know, unlike the the Big Ten, which definitely has you know a you know a major national title contender this year in Ohio State, you don't look across the Pac-12 and no one jumps out at you right now as like an obvious you know national championship contender. So there's not that kind of pressure, you know, where one I mean you know the really the major driver behind the conference like Ohio State um, is really champing at the bit to get out there and play. Uh, so there's I get some of it, but it is. It, Right now, the Pac-12 looks really silly, um, even as we're excited to, you know, see them play. But, I mean, you and I were talking, you saw, you know, the the the, the tweets, um, you know, and if you want to get into those on, on you know, the, the rumors of who and who not may not be ready to play. <laughs> I, I think, like, to speak to that, well, I, I want to back up for just a moment and give some credit where credit's due because I'm just so excited that yeah. this is a possibility. It's, you know, like I think sometimes on the show, particularly this year, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is the worst. And it's finally been good news all around all of the time <laughs> for the most part uh, on on the on the sports front. You know, I can't speak to everything else, but on the sports front, one of the things that uh, I thought the Pac-12 did really well was the fact that, like you mentioned, Robin, Rob, they handled the announcement of canceling the season in a way that I thought was really professional. We were, we've complimented on the show before. I um, want to compliment it again because they did a really good job. And, and just to speak what you had mentioned about the big 10, which did the exact opposite. And now they're back in the, in the, you know, catbird seat or whatever, like they're ready to rock. And like the big 12 or the pac 12 is following them is a little weird. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's been some celebration uh, and, and some spiking of the football by other conferences, stupid video. Um, that like SEC shorts sent out and it's it's just people making fun of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 while LSU's coach literally said, yeah, basically our whole team got COVID. I know, I mean. And they're like, see, see, we, we were right. I'm like, no, no, you weren't right at all. That's like the worst possible thing that you should do for your players. So uh, I do want to at least like, you know, flag that because it seems like there's been a lot of like gloating from the conferences that are playing. And I'm glad that they're playing. It seems like uh, a lot of programs are doing a really good job and some programs aren't, they're just being blatantly irresponsible. And the PAC 12, I thought showed some maturity on that front. And and now, unfortunately they're back in last place again, <laughs> kind of because of it, but, but also from a lack of planning on their front. So I, anyway, to take that for us. No, no, I, I find it really frustrating. The folks that are going around with sort of the, I told you so is from this, and acting as if, you know, I mean, acting as if we're both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you know, running around and saying, well, nothing has changed. I mean, a, an immense amount has changed, right, yeah. since. Um, and, but, but the big thing that changed was the daily testing. The other thing that's really changed that 
the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have committed to be able to do is to be able to run the cardio, the cardiac MRI testing um, extensively on players that test positive, right? And we haven't, like, other conferences just aren't doing that. Other conferences are committing to run three tests a week, and they're not doing the appropriate, you know, testing on the play. I mean, I, I there other conferences, you know, like you mentioned LSU. I, I don't know that those number, I mean, I don't know that LSU is releasing their numbers. Texas Tech quite literally has released their numbers and it's almost 70% of the team has, has tested positive at some point. I mean, that's blatantly yeah. irresponsible for really what is, I, I think the main argument that people had here and, and people are sort of shifting the goalpost after the fact, right? The argument that people had in the beginning was that players would be safer on campus than they would be at home. There are yeah. outside of New York City, and it's like you'd have to find a really hard hit part of New York City or parts of Italy. You are not going to find anywhere that has a 70% rate, you know, positive rate <laughs> in their antibody test. You're just not. And so this idea that like these players would have, I mean, that whole argument that we went through where everyone threw that out, like that's clear. Like if you wanted to put money that at the end of this, season that you're not going to have football teams with higher rates you know than the you know the the community rates that the players came from i you know i will take that bet with you like you will lose your money <laughs> you know like so the you know the idea that i think that you know that people had out there that like oh the players are going to be safer in this environment i don't know that that's really held up in a lot of cases and we've seen a lot of games you know canceled and postponed already um, you know, I will say that I, I do think it, it does not appear thus far as if football games themselves are really leading to more cases. However, I th we'll see. Yeah. Well, I saw that Kansas State game and like the entire student section is there. and They're all jumping around. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. Like, look, I mean, I want football. I love that. I love the atmosphere of college football. I would very much like us to do this responsibly in the first yeah. couple of weeks so that we can have an entire season. Yeah. So I saw some of those photos. I'm like, oh, no, no. Like, please stop. No, I mean, I think the, I think <laughs> the fans in the stands are like, but I don't think like the on the field play is, is trans like is is leading to a lot of transmission. But. You know, I do think that it being around a campus environment, it, it looks like it is. And that's sort of, I mean, I, I think as a, I mean, as a country, we're just sort of except, like, we're just sort of like nodding our head at whatever the death number is or not even paying attention to it anymore. And I mean, it just feels, it feels like on this case, like, I don't, I don't mind that the Pac-12, uh, you know, in Big Ten took a step back. I, I think that they maybe should have followed the SEC's lead a little bit more and say, I mean, in, in waiting and seeing if something came along. Something did, you know, and that's great. And they're going to get they're going to get it in time to really turn things around. Um, and the fact that I also want to give them credit because, you know, they really could have sat in the mud and said, you know, like we made our decision and we're going to stick to it. But they they looked at it and said that the facts had changed, you know, that the you know circumstances had changed and they changed their minds and credit real credit for that. Um, yeah. You know, that 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 that's a hard thing to do. And not a lot of people do it. I think one of the things that we should talk about are the coaches or, or teams that have, it's been reported are dragging their feet a little bit. And both of them have a couple of reasons. The first is UCLA. Uh, I know John Wilner had tweeted out that UCLA was the program that was the most uh, troublesome in terms of getting the, I don't want to say troublesome because th that's like a negative connotation, but they were the most apprehensive about moving forward. And I, I took it personally because I think Chip Kelly is like, was secretly hoping that there wouldn't be a season <laughs> and he wouldn't have to coach like if all I mean th this is somebody and we it's funny because we've talked about it on our uh, our Twitter account which is 12 pack radio we actually put out the fact that UCLA hasn't updated its roster since last year yeah. or s since spring uh, of last year something like it was, or, I'm sorry since the new since the early enrollees in the program and one of the things that's really frustrating is as a podcast that tries to cover UCLA and actually like, try to throw them a bone every now and then, if if they don't care enough to say who their players are and like <laughs> and then any depth chart or any of that stuff, it just is kind of indicative of that program and, and just the laziness, frankly, of Chip Kelly and, and what he's done at UCLA, a program that is rich in talent, should be rich in resources, um, was giving him a full clean slate to do whatever he wanted. And he just kind of sat on it. So I kind of rolled my eyes when that report came out. Then it turns out that somebody from, I think, the L.A. Times basically came out and said, that's actually not the case. So there's kind of this little back and forth thing. Yeah. Uh, I I just, yeah, I've been so frustrated with uh, what should be a good UCLA program that I just kind of like, I just kind of mentally 
checked out in terms of, of like, of course, Chip Kelly would be the one person that's like complaining about this stuff. But it also came out that Stanford was a program that is apprehensive. They're not, it doesn't seem like they're against it, but they they kind of want to see a little bit more. And have you followed that story? Any of Yeah, I read that story. It was interesting because there was kind of a, a nuanced level to it, one of which was Stanford, I think, still has concerns about athlete health. Um, and that's, you know, totally still totally fair, right? I mean, I, I think uh, this is sort of like everyone bagged on Donald Rumsfeld for that unknown unknowns thing. Like there are a lot of un, like there are things we don't know we don't know about the virus. And then there are a lot of things that we don't know that we don't know about the virus still. Right. And a lot of those have to do with like long term effects, um, you know, and we're only going to see those at the time. But Stanford's other hesitation is around, you know, the availability of, te you know, specifically taking and devoting resources towards uh, football as, as opposed to, you know, not doing this and not doing this for the regular student body, not doing this for, for professors that, you know, making football this kind of priority where they're going to spend, you know, resources in, in a world without infinite resources, um, you know, during a pandemic on, on the football team, you know, that these guys are going to get daily tests uh you know out there and that 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 is a that is not a question you see you do see it posed around mostly in mostly i think it's a you know college football writers who it, it is about i mean it, it is a totally valid question i don't want to squash it and i you you really haven't seen it from the internal you know inside college football um particularly from like athletic departments who i think are desperate and happy to play uh, but it's a it is a valid question. I would be surprised if I mean if Stanford really wants to put their foot down on it, um, you know I, I think the conference might play without them. You know, in this that was that was what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because it Larry Scott came on. Um, I think it was a, an interview that he gave, or it was a, a news report that came out about the Pac-12, basically saying like they want all twelve teams on board. Yeah. And I was wondering, like I'm wondering, so you've probably been in these meetings where you have the senior staff and the junior staff, and you ask a question. Um, you know, is everybody okay with this? And you really don't care at all what the junior staff right. says. And when they pipe up, you're like, oh yeah, we heard you. And then you kind of make your own decision. I'm hoping that's the case for the Pac-12 because frankly, uh, I, with the program moving forward, first of all, there's a couple of things. The first is if the Pac-12 doesn't have a season and the Big Ten, ACC, um, you know, Big 12 have their seasons, my goodness, the, the Pac-12 is so far back on so many other yeah. things that I think that would be devastating for the long-term future of the conference. W without, I mean, no NCAA tournament revenue came in and then to just totally skip football season, maybe push it in the spring, I just think it'd be a problem. Now, if they did it the spring, they played by themselves, eh, maybe, who knows? Right. But if they just cancel it because a couple teams didn't want to play, I'm like, man, that is that is pretty rough. That, that, would, be, that would be a decision, Rob. Right. Right. I don't know if it'd be the right decision, but it would be a decision. Well, I mean, it's still in this. I mean, uh, the reality of even, you know, with vaccines, you know, like even if playing in the spring, I don't I don't know that you're facing a fundamentally different situation. Right. Like you're still going to have to test these football players regularly to assure their safety because you're asking them to be back specifically. Right. Um you are still not going to have the resources to do that for students. Right? Like Stanford is not going to dedicate, you know, endowment money towards that. Right. Um, and so if they're, if they don't, you know, if that's the way, I mean, I just, I don't think it's going to, like, I don't think that there's any argument that's, that you could make that somehow it's going to be different in the spring. I mean, barring some therapeutic breakthrough, which there could be right. Um, you know, I, I just like, you're not going to have massive vaccine rollout by spring of 21. So, at that point, I mean, what do you hold now for Stanford? I mean, it does it. I, I hope you're right, right? It's some, you know, and, and Stanford may just want to make a point. I mean, they just may want to rattle their sable, saber here, um, you know, and have public acknowledgement that they brought this point up and that Stanford brought this point up. And that's fine, you know. But, um, you know, I do think that the conference as a whole, and there are some teams, I mean, I mean, Stanford may not be all that because be all that excited to play football this fall, frankly. But yeah, that's very true. Yeah. If there's one season you're going to give up, I think David. Yeah, be like, all right, I mean, write this one off. Uh, but the maybe last year too, yeah. to be frank. But uh, but I mean, some of the other teams in the conference, I don't. I, I mean, it, it is it is hard for me to imagine. Um, you know, some of the you know many of the other teams, frankly, in the conference being willing to just write this off. Um, you know, simply because Stanford wants to, you know, that, I mean, you, you do have some other teams in this conference that, I mean, it, you're also, I mean, the PAC 12 is not the sec, right? I mean, it is not, 
you know, a handful of AAU programs and then some, you know, some decent research universities, but not great. The Pac-12, I mean, most of the schools are top, top level research universities, right? So they're, 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 you know, Stanford may be the crown jewel academically of the Pac-12, but there are a lot of other schools here that are, you know, that are, you know, have their own, you know, excellent performance in academia on their own to, to point to. Um, that are going to be willing and want to push and play. So I, I, th- I think Stanford, this feels to me like making a point to make a point. Um, but I think that they, I, I think that they, you know, accept and move along. The UCLA one sort of interesting because Wilner, did you see this today? He did not really back down. He said, well, then it must have changed since I, since yesterday. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there is some fair question because, I, I, you know, the, the the California schools have not been have been restricted on how many folks they could have in group workouts. Um, you know, there's some question about how much weight training really they've been doing, that kind of thing. USC seems to have done a good job of it. I don't I hadn't seen reports on Cal or Stanford. Um, you know, there was some question if it was going to be schools, it might be them. But then Wilner came out with the UCLA report and I thought, oh, yeah, well, of course, it's. That actually makes yeah, sense. When yeah. you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, I should have thought of Chip Kelly first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, hey, let's move on to this. One of the things I wanted to cover is as having a season becomes more and more uh, of a reality, there's been a lot of players that have opted yeah. out or transfers that have happened that really nobody's kept a, a lot of track of that are covering the Pac-12. So we wanted to do that for you. We're going to stick with the South this week. Um, so what we're going to do is go through the, the major players from every team that have transferred or have opted out. Um, and I'm not going to get into like the, the third string, fourth string type of people, but people that would actually have an impact on the program or just players of note. So we're going to do that. Um, but I first want to talk about our sponsor today, which is my bookie. And if you've been following Tolfac Radio for a long time and actually Wildcat Radio as well, my bookie has been a sponsor of this program for my goodness, like two or three years, which is great. And uh, it's actually a book that I've used. Uh, they have great payouts. Obviously, football season is going on right now. Basketball season of college football, uh, which is going on. So one of the things that my bookie is doing is they are giving a uh, they're going to match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars, which is uh, a pretty, pretty exciting. <laughs> so you can use Use that to maybe throw down on some horse races or uh, make some sleazy pearlizies. So if you want to check that out, it's uh, mybookie.ag. And if you use the promo code OVERTIME, new players are going to get their deposit match dollar for dollar up to $1,000. That's the promo code OVERTIME. Use it. We've actually done this before. We uh, we use it to put together some, some round-robin parlays, Rob, that you may or may not have been a remember <laughs> yeah. from last year. So that was kind of fun. It was nice to be able to use a little bit of a, a cash that yeah. they had thrown our way. Um, one of the things, too, that OVERTIME is doing is for their listeners, they're giving away $500. This is an actual $500 straight cash giveaway um, for one person that actually signs up and uses the promo code over time. So what you do um, is basically when you make your deposit, take a screen grab, send it to overtime at advertise overtime at advertisecast.com, overtime at advertisecast.com, um, and you can enter to win $500. So a pretty cool deal there. Um, and again, it's a book that we've used uh, at 12 Pack Radio. So go ahead and check them out. Uh, now, Rob, let, let's talk about some of these uh, these teams and, and I have my sheet here down. So the people that are on the video, it's our first time doing it. So give me, cut me a little slack here as I go down and look at my cheat sheet and some of these teams. And there's a lot of, a lot of players that have left. So it's a little difficult. Um, Rob, let's start with ASU and, um, really a program that I think if you're an ASU fan and you see the departures from Oregon and Washington and USC, really the three teams that I, I think you and I but well above them yeah. in the race for the Pac-12 title. And they're all losing these these players. You take a look at US, uh, ASU and what they've lost. It's not a whole lot. I think the big one that I circled was, um, uh, if I can find him here for, for a moment, oh, it's Zach Robertson, who was an offensive lineman that played about 18 games for them over the years. But I think if you're an ASU and even that staying as much anymore. You get the two transfers, um, Kellen Deesh and Henry Hattis uh, over at Stanford coming in. So I think you actually get an upgrade on that offensive line. Plus you have the, the players that had played last year uh, that were young and really cut their teeth. And I, it was interesting. I was listening to a couple uh, Pac-12 podcasts, Ralph Amson uh, and what, what he's doing at ASU and, and over at Pac-12 Apostles. And they were talking about how like they might even have some of the young guys that started last year. Like I, I think that the coaching staff is – is bullish enough on that unit that they're talking about redshirting those guys. I don't think that's actually going to happen, but I do think it does show some confidence in where that team is. Uh, Rob, I'm going to run through a couple other players here and then let, let me know what you think okay. here. Um, obviously Jody Yellen, 
backup quarterback transferred to Pitt doesn't really make that big of a difference right now. Obviously, you know, you, you got you got Jaden Daniels there being the guy. But yeah. in terms of depth, you know, it's interesting to see where he goes. I'm pretty sure he was at a Mission Viejo High School, had a pretty good pedigree there. So he's over. It's funny. We actually saw him on, on the field at Pitt. It was like, ah! Yeah. So it's kind of fun to see these transfers and, like, what's going on there. Um, they lost three linebackers, Paul Lucas, A.J. Carter, and Isaiah Floyd. Again, if I'm an ASU fan, I'm not really that bummed about that although it's always nice to have more bodies, but just the influx of talent they've had at the running back position, I think they're going to be okay at that yeah. spot. So, uh, but just something to keep in mind out in terms of whether or not you have your, um, your depth at the position. A couple other people, John Humphrey uh, ended up transferring to Nevada. He's a wide receiver. Again, influx of talents, the same theme over and over again at ASU. And then they did lose kicker Brandon Ruiz, who's really good, but their other kicker is also really good. So uh, overall, Rob, I think if you're ASU, you're sitting pretty right now, given you know up to today, there, there could be changes and people could transfer and opt out and all that stuff. But man, um, looking pretty good in terms of uh, their depth and just uh, a lack of attrition. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's one thing that, I mean, and it's, it's a small concern compared to some of the other losses that teams have suffered across the conference is that, man, does, does depth effort seem to be important in a lot of these heavy games? I mean, there are teams traveling down 10 players. We've had a couple of games canceled because, you know, teams just haven't been able to suit up enough offensive linemen. So I mean, I'm interested to see, I mean, you know, that I don't think, I don't know that anybody gets a, a red shirt that, I mean, cause this year doesn't even count. <laughs> the NCAA has already decided that this year doesn't even count against your eligibility. <laughs> so, you know, smoke if you got them. Um, but I do think, I mean, I, I think for ASU, right? Like, I mean, if they do have anybody that's been, you know, could be particular on the offensive line that is, you know, beaten out and is losing their job. That's, that's not the worst thing in the world, considering the way that offensive line is played. Right. I do. I mean, it really they're They have gotten a little thin at quarterback because, of the, you know, after Daniels won out the job, they lost Dylan Sterling Cole yelling transfers. Um, there's the third freshman quarterback that ended up switching to another position. Um, and I think I know they brought someone in, uh, but it's not they don't have, you know, a lot of depth behind there. So, you know, that's something to certainly keep an eye on uh, Daniels with that slight frame. If he were to take some hits this year. Um, that would be my main concern if I was ASU, but that's pretty slight um, comparatively. Yeah, it, like I just, I was surprised. So like, yeah. and it shows actually a testament to the coaching staff to be able to keep that unit together. Um, you know, their neighbors of the South will get to them a little bit later. Just, a, I mean, just they lost so many people. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at that, and then you're like, oh, there's like five people on ASU that decided to leave, and most of them were going to be beaten out anyway. But yeah, yeah keep an eye on that depth particularly at the quarterback spot, whether or not they're actually able to uh, hold the line there. I got, you got Ethan Long, uh, Trenton Burkett, who uh, is actually a really smart player and like a, a seven on seven, like superhero, but yeah. there's a difference between pajama ball and real ball. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see um, what happens if he gets hurt. Hopefully not. You know, I want to see Jaden Daniels at his best uh, competing for the Pac-12 title. And they're going to really compete with that with USC. So let's on the line here jt daniels leaves goes over to georgia jack sears rob makes the weird transfer over to boise where there's like 18 yeah. quarterbacks and they're all pretty good so good <laughs> right. luck there jack i don't know what you think when you saw that well i mean it's uh their quarterback hank back bachmeyer is a young freshman uh you know and had really in a lot of ways you felt like locked down the job and you know sears transferring to boise state was odd i mean there were a lot of places he could have gone um, you know, where he would have likely stepped in and, and been the likely starter, or, you know, been the starter um, for him to come in and, uh, you know, to accept that. I just, I, I thought that was a real odd move um, on his part. So, because there's no way they guaranteed him any playing time. So he must have really thought he'd come in and thought he could win the job. Or it's a beautiful city. I mean, if it you're going to go Boise's anywhere, nice. Boise is a, 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 way better than Athens. You know, like, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just if, saying. And if you're in Boise, oh. like, get the Basque food. Like, there's a little Basque village. Like, there's there's some really Ooh. good Basque food, Boise. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I went there. I had a really good time there. So, shout out. I hope Jack Sears has happy trails out there. Um, so, you know, here's a unit that's it's not going to be devastating. But it does give me some pause here. And obviously, we think of, of USC, we think of their uh, dynamic offense, throwing the ball, uh, Graham Harrell, obviously, I mean, it, it just a good unit now. But they do lose a lot of depth. And that kind of worries me here. On the wide receiving core, you lose uh, Devon Williams, who goes over to Oregon. Um, and he's likely going to play there uh, fairly quickly. Uh, you lose uh, Velas 
Bellis Jones, who was a five-star recruit over there. He goes over to Tennessee. And uh, Daniel, and I apologize uh, to our friends at Rain to Troy. I'm always going to miss this name. But uh, Imator Bebe, who was like there. I mean, they hold a whole sound drop for him and everything. He joins his uh, brother over at Illinois. So he was somebody that I thought uh, would maybe be an interesting bigger target for them. He's just an athletic freak and never was able to see the field. There's a lot of personal maybe injury issues that, that had gone on. So uh, he finally departs. So again, USC, just in terms of their depth, uh, uh, their starting positions at the wide receiver, pretty set, Rob. But I, I'm a little worried after that. You get an injury or two. We're talking about COVID people having to sit out. And the talent pool after that, it's not like they've really lit the world on fire and bringing a ton of awesome wide receivers to USC the last year. Yeah, I mean, the, the wide receiver position, if anyone were decide, to decide to sit, you know, so that they could start working towards their NFL career. That could really hurt USC coming into the season. Um, and that's, I mean, if you're USC, I think that's one of your main concerns coming in right now is that, you know, there are guys, I mean, like Jamie Newman decided to sit out and focus on his NFL career. Um, you know, there are, it's that type of thing. I think that, um, you know, that if, you know, St. Brown decided to, to, you know, focus, to focus on getting ready for the draft, that could really hurt. Um, I mean, because I, I think even with the transfers, USC still has the best talent at wide receiver in the Pac-12. And I don't I don't think it's like super close. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah, I know. Like, We've gotten a couple tweets on that. I'm like, get out of here. Like, I mean, not... like, literally, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, Drake Lennon, Brew McCoy, by the way, who's coming in. And yeah. He's going to be awesome, too. It's just like, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, they're, they're good. They're, they're, and there's and there are guys even behind those guys that are like our, you know, are decent players and are going to get some playing time, I think. I mean, with the, you know, as, as much as USC is going to throw it. So I'm I, I am. It's actually the the offensive line. Um, you know, the, you know, the, uh, opt out and then, uh, you know, to on the defensive line, um, is it was, it's Vieira Tucker, right? The, 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 the tackle that opted out. Yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker, the yeah. left guard there, second team, all pack 12. He could, he, he was also in line to compete for the left tackle position. That that's a problem. Cause if you're USC and we've said it on this show, like the biggest worry for USC is, can you protect your quarterback? Yeah. And, and their running offense is just awful last year in spite of like, all five-star talent all across the board on the running back position, and they really, really struggled. Yeah, and that's not, I mean, nine times out of ten, that's on your offensive line, not you know, not creating holes with the running backs to get through, right? Uh, I'm, I am somewhat, yeah, I mean, it's, and there, there is still the possibility for guys to opt back in. We have, you know, seen, you know, some guys in the Big Ten, just, you know, particularly the Ohio, some of the Buckeyes deciding they want to come back and play. Uh, I, you know, if, if that's the case, if they can get, you know, like uh, Wyatt Davis deciding he wanted to come back and play at Ohio State, that, that, like USC, the door may be open depending, you know, depending on how the NCAA may rule on some of these things, if these guys took benefits or not. The one that really concerns me yeah. is Tufele, actually, because, yeah. um, you know, Tufele, I mean, in Tufele, his, like his, his sister is, ha, has been in intensive care fighting for her life with COVID. And so I like I, I think he has had a bird's eye view to how serious it is. He is someone that I, I mean, there was a lot of conversation. I think I, I don't know that it was necessarily warrant warranted, but you know that he might potentially be a first round pick. Um, certainly, looking at being a second day pick, you know for sure. Uh, but as USC switches to potentially Todd Orlando's three four system, USC is going to need someone. That, and we've talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. They can play two yeah. gap, um, and I don't. They, they have not been a two-gap team up to this point. Um, you know, and Tufele was a guy that we looked at that might be able to do it. I mean, they could really, you know, hold the point of attack on the interior of that line. Yeah, that that That's the one that, I mean, that, that one in particular, because USC's defense kind of stunk last season. And they didn't, and, and the defensive line had its moments, right? Um, but they weren't great against the run. Uh, and, and, you know, Tufele had some work to do there on his own, like, and, and being able to, to hold the point of attack in the run game, you know, losing that experience, I, that, that's the one, like if what Tufele does could really, you know, I still think USC is a, is a step ahead of where ASU will be, but, you know, if USC wants to compete for a conference title, like they might need Tufele to come back. Yeah. And, and missing 
the two like two ginormous parts, obviously Elijah Vera Tucker, like we mentioned, J2 Fele, on the biggest weaknesses that we talked about all year yeah. for AS for USC. So I mean, again, the talent's still there. Uh, but is it Brandon Peely that, that fills that gap? I mean, he's a senior that's been there for a long time. They have a couple people that, um, and our friends at Randa Troy have covered, if you want to check them out, like I'm sure they're all over this. But uh, there's been a couple people that are uh, that have had high pedigree coming in and have had injuries and you just haven't seen them on the field. And, and now they got to be put in a position to, to fill in for uh, a top two uh, round draft pick in the NFL. That's a problem. So uh, something definitely keep an eye out for there. A couple other players for USC before we move on here, Clayton Bradley, an offensive lineman had transferred uh, just a depth thing. You know, he wasn't somebody that was really lighting the world on fire, but he's gone. And then CJ Pollard, who had been uh, really somebody that uh, USC fans were hoping would, would crack that roster, uh, ends up transferring to Utah State. He was a safety there. Um, let's move over, Rob, to UCLA. Um, and I think, you know, I'm kind of looking over their list here. And again, my apologies, this is our first time doing video. So uh, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to keep my eyes up, but uh, <laughs> no, no. It's, there's a lot of players to track here. I, know, I have like a, I have a little che- I have a little cheat sheet that I have like right under the tripod on the camera. So like I'm it looks like I'm almost looking at the camera. That's my cheat. Ah, Rob's the expert. He's been doing this for a little while longer. Here. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were pretty worried about UCLA on a number of fronts, but also there was just a whole bunch of people that had announced that they were going to transfer. The one thing was not all of them were good. And, and I'm kind of going back and looking at the players that have transferred or out of the program. And frankly, it just comes down to Chris Murray, who is uh, just a monster offensive lineman there. That's a big loss for yeah. them because their offensive line wasn't great. Um, and losing that piece really and, and now having to fill that with either freshmen um, or people that just have not been able to crack a bad roster anyway. That's a problem. Again, it's more of a problem now that COVID, you're going to have people that are just going to be out. It's just going to happen at your program. And then Theo Howard, who was a wide receiver, quite good, ends yeah. up also transferring to Oklahoma. So I don't know who uh, who was sleezing around uh, Westwood trying to pick up some of these players, but they did their job, Rob. Well, I mean, like, and Howard had this incredibly cutting comment on Twitter, you know, saying that he was finally get to getting going to get to play in a modern college offense. <laughs> Which is just like, just chef's kiss. Like that is, uh, wow. I mean, I mean, he, so he wasn't recruited by Kelly, you know, like he, you know, Kelly inherited him, but I mean, Howard is a guy that, uh, you know, four star wide receiver, you know, just long rangy, you know, fast, you know, a guy that really, you know, you know, in a, in a lot of other places would have done something. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him at, you know, with the Sooners, um, you know, with, and, and see what kind of usage they get out of him this season. But, um, you know, you, UCLA, it is, it is tough. I mean, Murray's the one that really hurts probably the most, um, that line, you know, they, they did have the guy that was drafted in the first round. Um, was it in the first round or was it on the second day? Anyway, they did have the early, it was dra- pretty early, yeah, yeah, early draft pick, um, from the line last season. Murray was the really the other good player on the line. Um, you know, they got some work really cut out for them. Uh, and they, I mean, of course they have had some work cut out for them. I mean, if they have an advantage over almost everyone else in the conference, it's that, you know, like Stan, like them and they and Stanford didn't make coordinator changes. I mean, both they and Stanford really needed to, but they didn't. And so there's scheme continuity, right? Um, so they don't have, I mean, yeah, like those, you know, Howard wasn't wasn't lighting the world on fire with UCLA. It doesn't seem like a huge loss um, for what his on field production was from a pure talent talent you know talent. Like that's an actual big loss. Like you do not want those kind of guys transferring out of your program. Um, Murray is the one that really on the field production hurts. Yeah, yeah. A couple other players on that front. So Josh Harris, tight end, leaves. Uh, Tyree Thompson, who's a linebacker, and man, man, Chip Chip is just not he's dropped the ball on recruiting they're actually doing better this year than they they have been in the past but like our friend hippolyte kept saying that he only recruits on wednesdays and so when you lose another piece of that linebacking core that wasn't quite uh that good although the run defense was pretty good but i would attest that more to the the big uglies up front but um and him also just another piece uh, to lose on the depth in that unit and it's a unit that is really really thin on its own anyway um Anything else on UCLA before we move over? Let's would, see, we'll do Colorado I mean, next year. Keep an year. eye on 
Actually, let's do oh, Utah. Yeah. We got to do Utah next. My apologies to Utah fans. They're, they're like our third best fan base. But so. I mean, for UCLA, I mean, the decision that would really hurt them the most would be Osa Odigazua deciding to opt out. So keep an eye on him because he was just he just got an early round grade from CBS on their uh, one of their early projected uh, drafts. So just keep an eye. I mean, that that's the one that if he decided to to opt out and and prepare for the NFL draft, that would really hurt the Bruins because their their, their pass defense was just atrocious last season the only thing that really worked for them was their interior run defense they have two good guys on the interior and uh, Odigazoo is really the better of the two yeah yeah that's a good call on that front and I think we're going to see some more opt opting out even though the, the season's coming but man if you're getting a nice it's kind of like college basketball, right? If you're if you're in that lottery, like you got to go, brother. Like that's just that's just what you do. So I mean, if you're getting top two in the NFL draft, why why risk? Their guy, I mean, like the, the linebacker from Texas A and M just opted out, right? I mean, Jamie Newman opted out from Georgia even after they knew they were going to be playing, right? I mean, there's there's, I mean, there there we we are we are going to see more opt outs as the. I mean, and and really, I like the the North has been hit, you know, even as even as we sort of rumors were that you know they maybe get back to playing like we still have had players opt out right yeah yeah um let's get to utah which is in a really good position kind of talk about asu being one of the teams where really haven't lost a ton um same thing at utah but let's do it right after this so if you're on the video we're just going to roll right there if you're on 12 pack radio uh god bless you thanks for listening to us uh listen to these delicious messages and kind of like keep us going you know (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. <laughs> All right, we're back. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. We're going to talk about Utah here. We're talking about players that have left, that have opted out, or have transferred. And you take a look at the list here for uh, Utah. And like I mentioned, it's it's pretty similar to ASU here. Obviously, Jason Shelley moves over to Utah State. Um, they lost Devontae Henry Cole over to BYU. Um, those two, though, I mean, like... It's 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 not great because there is going to be a quarterback battle, obviously, in Salt Lake. But um, I think it's a, a battle between some pretty solid players there. And then uh, Henry Cole, I, obviously, I was actually kind of impressed with some of the uh, the younger talent up in there. And if you're a Utah fan and, and we listen to a lot of Utah fans, they were kind of like, yeah, you know, like whatever. Uh, with that said, Rob, having that depth is, is really important. And um, and they're losing two pieces that, you know, could have pushed a little bit. I would argue a little bit less on the quarterback spot. But um, it's always nice to have like a third option running back uh, just in case you, you get somebody that has to take a step back. And obviously they lose uh, Zach Moss to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the I mean, <laughs> their biggest problem is Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss aren't going to be there <laughs> next year. Right. Like they bring back quite a bit on that offensive line. The offensive line was actually pretty bad last year. Um, but the Utes are in a good spot somewhat because like they just like most of their guys that would have been go you know, potentially going pro, you know, or opting out or really looking for a place to land to play to try to continue to put more on tape for the pros. Um, you know, grad I mean, we're we're done last year, right? I mean, Utah had that that, you know, the the great you know, the, the, they've been building towards their whole secondary yeah, basically. <laughs> building towards last season in a lot of ways. So there's no and there's nobody that's really you know, they haven't they haven't, they, you know, their recruiting has started to pick up 
um, and it's continued to improve for them, but it's not hit the point where there's anybody that's like an obvious four-star player that's like riding the pines, um, you know, at a position where they're, you know, that they're, they're really going to, you know, transfer out on. Yeah. I mean, it's, I th- I think for the Utes, like having, you know, most of their guys that would have been obvious, you know, guys with, you know, early NFL grades gone. And then, you know, they're, you know, not, like I said, like not anyone, like not anyone obvious. Cause at this point too, a lot of those positions, I mean, Utah's depth chart really isn't set yet. Right. Like there's a lot of younger guy. So nobody, nobody knows if they've been beaten out yet, probably in a lot of cases. I mean, they certainly haven't named a, a starter, even at quarterback yet, um, you know, between rising and Bentley. So I, you know, I, uh, I think that, you know, Utah's Utah's probably sitting pretty right here right now. You know, they're, they, they, they have the coordinator continuity. They're, they. I mean, they have a. Ton, I mean, they have a ton of production to replace. But, um, you know, I, I don't expect them to have you know any opt outs going forward. Yeah, I like Devin Brumfield from last year. I thought he showed some promise as a younger running back on that uh, that team, four and a half yards per carry. But I just I watched a lot of Utah football last year, and I'm like, God, that guy could be really good. And one of the things with Utah with their running backs, there's just always somebody that kind of pops yeah. up, and it, it it kind of is lazy to say, but if you see it over and over and over and over again for five, six, seven years, um, it just there's always somebody like Zach Moss was kind of on my radar, but like I actually was more excited about Henry Cole and a couple other people and Utah fans would probably push back on that front. But uh, it just kind of highlights the fact that they did have a number of names that were in the program and just really great talent development in Salt Lake. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just highlight with uh, the loss of uh, Shelly, you know, if Cam Risen, uh, who was the Texas transfer, he ran the scout team last year. If he, is, if he doesn't cut it and you get like another, tra- like, you know, people are transferring out of programs for a reason. Yeah. And sometimes they're, they are good and they, be the guy and they they could be the guy somewhere else but i don't know like i'm a, obviously what they were able to get last year out of huntley was i statistically he was pretty good but when you watch those games there were just so many times where he was able to make plays with his leg or hit a key throw um i don't sit out as somebody that like physically dragged that utah team across the finish line sometimes and that's what you want in your quarterback i don't know if they're going to have that in rising to bentley we'll find out but i'm not as bullish as i was obviously on huntley coming into this year um couple other players, Nigel King, cornerback, uh, transferred to Southern Illinois. I think one of the things to mention before we jump off of Utah, Rob, is they actually had more transfers come in than, than have come out. Oh. So, and, and we'll get to that. Yeah, as, as we preview Utah, and we'll have to redo our previews, right, with all these players. Um, but but uh, Whittingham has done a really good job bringing in talent, and he's picked it across the, the you know a number of different areas. And I'm kind of excited to see what Utah is yeah. because there's a scenario where they take a major step back and and they'll be fine next year and the year after that. Um, or, you know, there's a scenario where they are one of the more disciplined teams in a year that's really going to need coaching and discipline to yeah. get you over the line. Um, so anyway, there are a couple different paths that Utah can take, but um, it's one of the more intriguing teams for me coming in this year. Yeah, and I'm excited. I mean, I think the uh, you know Utah does a good job. I mean, we even I mean, I even remember back to was it two years ago? I mean, they lost a ton off of their defensive line, um, and everybody coming out of you know that spring camp and coming to the fall was talking about Bradley and Day. Like, watch out for this guy. He's going to be a you know he'll be on your radar, and he really was. Um, and Utah's got that set up where they have two defensive line coaches on the team, so that that unit gets a lot of focus. Um, so I, I expect that, yeah. you know, I expect that they will have some good players ready to go. I don't know that they're going to be quite at the level, you know, maybe that they were last year. And that's OK. Like, I also don't expect them to fall back to like being, a, you know, bad or even average power five unit on defense. Um, offense, offense like mileage may vary a little bit. Tyler Huntley, actually pro football focus, had him graded out in the top 10 um, last year. Like he his his on film the decisions that he made and he wasn't always asked to carry the offense i get that but like when he when they put the ball in his hands and asked him to do something he usually did um and then zach moss like he was he's a little bit like miles gaskin like i mean yards after contact (laughs) and that's he was such a pleasure to watch like i loved watching him run over people that's i mean that's the thing that i think uh you know I, i i i it's one of the things that i like about moss maybe for his pro career too but you know, if you're Utah, I mean, you real like you know you realize when you watch the tape how how many tackles Zach Moss broke. Um, that is, a, I mean, their offensive line wasn't great last year. That's the that's their real yeah. concern is like, can the offense, you know, get any semblance of something going um, without being able to rely on a Tyler Huntley and a Zach Moss? That's like th- those are two really key pieces for them. So that 
dude, that, that has nothing to do with opt outs or anything. But that that like the, the like if you're a Utah fan, like who wins the who wins the QB job and how they look in their first game, which is going to be right into the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good luck. Uh, but that, yeah, you're right. And the good thing is they didn't lose anybody from the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, the bad news being the offensive line kind of stunk last yeah. year. So, you know, take, take the good with the bad there. <laughs> um, let's go over to Colorado here. Not a lot of losses, which is good. Um, they lose uh, Blake Senstrom to Princeton. Um, San Neuer left and then came back. So he's at least adding some depth to the quarterback room there, which yeah. is going to be just a mess. I mean, the, one of the oh biggest God. reasons I'm down on – yeah, holy goodness. It's going to be a problem. Um, and, and, but, you know, if they if it's not a problem, that offensive line wasn't bad. They got the running backs back. They're usually pretty good developers of talent, the wide receiver. But, oof, the defense is a problem. The quarterback could be yeah. a major, major issue. So. Um, there is a bull case for, for Colorado, but I will not make it. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they lose. So, and this happened a little while ago. That defensive uh, end that came back from uh, Alabama, yeah. number one recruit in the country, uh, Antonio uh, Alfano, he's gone. So, now, I've been trying to track this, Rob. So, uh, he's not on the team now, and I'm assuming he's probably not on the deal. He's kind of bounced around a couple times. So, there, there's a world where he returns and he's on the team, but I, I would not bet money on that. But as of right now, not somebody that they're going to be counting on, which is a bummer because that would have been a really nice addition to a defense that's going to need some help yeah. along the line. It feels a little like uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., like from Nebraska to Arizona, and I don't, yeah. I don't even know. I mean, I think you registered for classes. I don't know if he ever went to a practice. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, they lose uh, Jacob Collier, who was somebody that I kind of liked watching um, on that defense. Added some depth, was able to get you know get a lot of quarterback hurries and stuff. So he's gone. Uh, Joshua Allen, a four-star linebacker, is gone. I'll have to go back and take a look because I want to see on that defensive line. If you're a Colorado fan, if we miss somebody, let us know. Um, I try to do a deep dive on every team. And I want to say that there was somebody on the defensive line that ended up taking a step back, which would be a total bummer because that defensive line was actually pretty good, Rob. Yeah, and comparatively, comparatively I mean, for Colorado, you know, and they they did have a they did have a comparatively good, um, you know, line, and you know, and behind it, Davion Taylor was just cleaning up everything right in the run game. Like, I mean, just a heat seeking missile. Um, you know, I, I like. I mean, like, I, I wouldn't say. I think it's tough because with Colorado, in a lot of ways, you end up talking about. You know, there are some positives with a with a team that was really bad. I mean, the worst part of it was the the you know obviously was the pass you know the pass coverage. Um, but I would also push back that the defensive line, while they were decent against the run, they weren't great at getting pressure at the quarterback, um, and they're going to have to work on that coming into this next year. I mean, some of those losses, like for Colorado, like you know this gets into you know like the it's almost like the UCLA's or the, you know, or, or the rich rod at Arizona, like, yeah, you're getting some four stars. They're just not working out. Like if you're Colorado, you can't be, you can't have four stars not working out. Right. Um, yeah. Like those guys have to find a way onto the field. Um, you have to hit on those guys and develop them. And um, you know, they're this Colorado team coming into this season. I mean, they're, their questions. I mean, their their offense and defense really stunk last year. Um, you know, they've got, I don't know. I mean, it's it it is tough. They I would say one of the positives is they kept they kept almost everybody who was in that Mel Tucker you know recruiting class. Um, and he did put together. That's where I think some of the some of the real you know momentum seemed to be was not actually with the on the field product, but on, in recruiting. Um, and they did put together a yeah. decent class. Um, they got the you know the Harris kid from Arizona, um, who's a who was a four star defensive end. He stayed. Um, you know they've got some. They've got some decent players coming in. Uh, how it, I mean, we, as you hit on, I mean, it's, and we're going to, like, this is exciting because we're going to get to crank through some previews, like, quick uh, if the Pac 12 is going to be starting by Halloween. But I think, like, really, the, you know, for Colorado, I don't know that you're going to have any more opt outs. And I don't, like, and it, you know, it's going to change anything. You certainly don't expect them to be having anybody transferring in. It's going to change anything either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Four tight ends on the field at all times, Ryan. Uh, Rob, when we're talking about uh, Colorado, I mean, they're going to throw to 18 tight ends all year. It'll be really fun. Um, no that way. West this is, this offense, is, but it would be nice with that. It's going to be Chiv's offense. It's going to be like, it's going to be a bubble screen that everyone will see coming by the third game. <laughs> don't, don't do it. I've, don't see, do I've it seen this Colorado movie before. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, something to look forward to here. Let, let's end with the team that, we were most bullish on, I mean, again, relatively bullish. We, we thought that people were, um, Arizona wasn't going to 
I don't think go to a bowl game. Um, but I also didn't think they were going to be a doormat in the conference. And one of the problems that they ran into um, and our predictions are now running into is the fact that there was just an exodus of players out of Tucson and a lot of them in really, really important positions for Arizona. So this was a team that returned a lot of people on a bad defense, but some interesting players with better coaches, right? One of the things, if you were an Arizona fan, was the fact that instead of getting these young coaches that really didn't know what they were doing, they're bringing a lot of old hands, like people that have been a linebacker coach for 45 years or 30 years or whatever it may not be great at recruiting but at least they were able to in theory develop the talent that was on the field yeah. at the time and that has kind of uh, that was the thesis if you're going to make a bull case for Arizona that thesis I think Rob like I'm way more down in Arizona now again this year they lose uh, not just Brendan Schooler but really Colin Schooler who's the most important piece of that defense uh, linebacker they also lose Tony Fields who ended up transferring to West Virginia uh, so they're two linebackers in that weird five, two funky offense or defense. Uh, they lose their two starting pieces. And the problem for me, Rob, is behind them was was really, really thin. So you have to rely on um, some talent that didn't have a lot of pedigree and putting them into the fire in a year where depth is going to be really, really important. That for for me was the biggest red flag that came out we'll go into some other ones but like do you want to talk maybe a little bit about the impact of those two guys losing because when tony fields left i'm like ah you know like maybe uh, with the scheme and stuff they might be able to cover for that it's not good it's really right. not good but it, it might not be devastating but losing him and schooler i think is just it's going to be a big big mess it's t i mean it is tough because they 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 made they both made a lot of plays at Arizona. I you can you can also find a lot of tape for they're just kidding, <laughs> just blowing something. I mean you can find that on everyone that on that Arizona defense. Um, you know I think they both struggled in pass coverage in particular. Uh, you know is it everyone up the middle of that defense last year? I mean the safeties as well. Um, there, it is a concern. I mean there, you are they do have Anthony Pandy. Um, who really split a lot of time with Fields last year and played really well. It's a guy that the coaching staff really likes. I, I think he is is as I think he is as good as Schooler and Fields. Um, and so you're not going to have a lot of fall off at one position. But who do you sub in afterwards? They're also going into a three four where they're going to have more linebackers on the field, right? I mean, some of their ends, yeah. um, you know, the like Jalen Harris have, have you know moved over into outside linebacker positions. In theory, that opens it up and, and maybe put some more bodies in there, you know, and they've definitely they've had two uh, and one really good transfer in at defensive tackle, um, you know, that, you know, may also help alleviate some of the you know, the pressure and maybe they can move, you know, more guys around. But it is it is, I think, in particular, those interior two linebacker spots, they're going to have a question of at least one of them. Pandy, if, if any, and then the depth is going to be a, a serious question because before you had Pandy there for depth. Now you certainly don't um, as well as you're going to ha now have, you know, you're, you're going to be in, you are going to be in nickel, you know, at least 60, 70% of the time anyway. So, you know, this three, four concept, they will be in a three, three, a lot of the time <laughs> with five DBs on the yeah. field. Right. So, you're, you, you know, this idea that they're going to have to come up with four linebackers is, is it, not most of the time. I mean, unless you're playing Stanford or something. So they're, they are going to, you know, they, they will have Pandy plus maybe Harris at one of the positions. And, you know, one of the, you know, those guys are going to rush the quarterback a lot who that other linebacker are is, is a, is a real big question i think for this arizona team um they do have some young guys in place um you know that have including some that redshirted last year uh and didn't play but you know, i mean there's they're gonna they're gonna be young and and maybe thin there i, they, I mean it is tough because i think you're right i mean the i think people undersell how bad that defensive staff was that uh you know someone put together he was you know he he got in a lot of ways the um the, like the potato that Carl Durrell got, you know, like he, he was hired late in the cycle as Rich Rod got fired late in the cycle. It was like an island of misfit toys. I mean, I still think you go through the Arizona's defensive staff now and there's a just night and day difference in the level of experienced professionalism on the staff. Um, I do expect yeah. to see better results. I mean, even with these losses, I think Arizona's defense will be better. Um, but they're not going to be as good as maybe we thought they might be with without, you know, Fields and Schooler there in particular. Um, and it's a real bummer because with the Ray Lopez transfer in, um, he's a guy I think a lot of people were really high on, uh, including a profile for pro, uh, pro football focus. 
um, just a monster guy playing at New Mexico State. And you may be saying, like, yeah, whatever, New Mexico State. Like, just a, an insanely strong human being <laughs> who regularly required double teams. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, transferring, you know, him, he's, he's a guy that didn't get the right looks out of high school and ended up transfer, you know, ended up at a small school and then, you know, got the right opportunities. And, and he's actually from Tucson, I believe. I think his dad's a high school coach in Tucson. Um, so, you know, gets the opportunity to come play some power five ball, you know, was an opportunity. I mean, a guy that can really play two gap and play the point of attack, you know, you, if you have linebackers that can, you know, come downhill, like they're actually set up really well in the run game, but now all of a sudden there's questions behind Lopez. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's kind of right. one other guy they brought in Aaron Blackwell out of New Mexico yeah. who uh, adds a body there also, which is interesting. Um, but I think one of the things too, so we talked about the linebackers, we haven't talked about the safeties. And one of the things that was, has been interesting about Arizona safeties for four years is big hat, no cattle. They have all these players that are supposed to come in with a lot of promise. They don't fulfill that promise and end up giving it a ton of points. Uh, now what's happening is you're losing all of those players. Yeah. So, yeah, Scotty Young, who transferred to West Virginia, he's gone. Um, uh, you have uh, Devin Coleman, who is gone. He was a safety. Xavier Bell and Troy Young, also players that saw the field. I mean, these are players that actually got stats and were there and were in the system. They're gone. Arizona loses four safeties yeah. from its secondary. And this is a secondary that sucked, Rob. Yeah. So these young players are going to have to come in, again, really fast with not as much practice, with a new coaching staff, the new scheme, and fill in. And my goodness, I think Arizona is going to give up a gazillion points this year uh, through the air. I mean, like we said, I mean, the, if, if you know, the, you could go back and watch tape of that Arizona-Hawaii game and just watch the middle of Arizona's defense, the, the linebackers and the safeties get absolutely carved up on Hawaii's option routes. I mean, Hawaii and Hawaii wasn't doing anything super sophisticated, right? <clears throat> a lot of those were just bend routes, you know, that, um, yeah. and you know, air, like the say, like just best college football game of the year. The, the, I mean, like, let's be honest. Like <laughs> I mean, the coverage from Arizona safeties for a couple of years has just been atrocious. Um, and for all that, I think hype on Scotty young and he had some very good games as a freshman. He never lived up to it afterwards at all. So I don't, I'm always cautious and I, I think people should be cautious on, you know, addition by subtraction arguments. You know, I think Arizona is not deep for sure. Uh, however, you would be hard pressed to play a lot worse than Arizona safeties played last year in coverage. I mean, just awful. Um, I mean, because the corners aren't bad. I mean, really, the corners are, are not bad at all. Uh, and even like the young ones made some young mistakes like Christian Roland Wallace last season. But you know, I think that there are, you know, that, that there is some good talent there. I, I think where a lot of teams might, if they were in a 5DB setup, they might have three safeties on the field. I think if you're Arizona, you're almost always going to have three corners on the field and keep it at two safeties because they don't have the depth and I don't think yeah. they have the talent. That's true. And Roland Wallace was somebody USC was looking after. So he was a high three-star kid that um, was starting to get the attention by the end of his recruiting yeah. cycle. So, um, yeah, anyway, so I, I just, man... I, I was on the Quack 12 podcast and we've talked about Arizona and like I've been pretty bullish about like them taking a step forward. But all of these, I mean, they've lost like five or six or six, I think it's like eight or nine players actually yeah. that um, might be a little bit important for that program rather than most teams that have lost two or three. Although those players that they've lost are, are pretty devastating. So for uh, anyway, take it for a while. We'll, we'll definitely do an Arizona preview and we'll preview all the other schools as we move into actual football seasons. Very, very exciting to actually go through real football and talk about real things. So uh, we'll <laughs> We'll get back on that bandwagon and uh it was so like i am just filled with so much joy rob it is a uh, is a crazy time out there but this uh it gives a semblance of normalcy when uh, we're, we're actually doing team previews yeah this is gonna be i mean this is gonna be like legitimately exciting and great i mean because like the quality of the football thus far hasn't always been great but at least it's been football uh and it oh well it was it <laughs> As a Navy, uh, Navy plus seven, like all the sharps are like, oh, we're going to go Navy. We're going to go Navy. And I almost bit. I almost bit because I bet on uh, Navy against BYU and they lost by like 56 points. And like, yeah, we haven't tackled in nine weeks. And then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they'll turn. And they won. They won that game. They did not cover that game. So it's just a bizarre, they came back from like 25, just a bizarre year so far. Um, So it's going to be Pac-12 after dark in the morning, in the afternoon and at night, I think this year, but uh, at least there'll be players that we've covered and teams that we know. I mean, really across the conference too. I mean, this could be wild. I mean, this could be really wild because you, like, like we talked about, I mean, really Utah, 
Stanford, and who was it? UCLA. I mean, I think those are the only schools that didn't have a coordinator change. Oregon State. And Oregon State, I mean, like Oregon State and Utah are the ones who are like, those are good non-coordinator changes. Most everybody else, like if they had to make a move, they moved, They made that move last year. Oh boy, like not a lot of practice time with the new schemes yeah. and systems. Like, I mean, maybe it'll work out. Like if you've got like a Rhett Lashley type at Miami where, you know, you've got a, you know, a, a relatively simpler system and, you know, but uh, I wouldn't want to be somebody... I wouldn't want to be somebody that had hired a really like somebody that has to install a really complicated offense coming in, like Washington State coming into this year, right? Like <laughs> that you're gonna need a lot of reps in, right? I mean, but even something simple like the air raid, like the 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 scheme is simple. It requires reps so that it's second nature, right? Like that you execute it crisply. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I feel you. Well, hey, let's let's stop it here. Um, Next week, we'll do the Pac-12 North, and there's a lot of play. I mean, like, we went through the South, and there's there are some big players that have, like, for, especially from USC and UCLA, but boy, howdy, in the North. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how Oregon and Washington pick up from the pieces they've lost. You also have people from Cal, like uh, Cam Bynum's left. I mean, it's it's a, it's more of a, uh, a murderer's row of players that have left uh, the conference and opted out. So we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe some people return. Uh, we'll make sure to, to be hopefully your source on this kind of stuff um, just because it's important. It'll really dictate how these teams do in the future. So uh, 12-Pack Radio, you can subscribe for free. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, you name it, we're there. You can also follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio. And Rob, we are on the Sharp College Football feed now. Um, so I'm sure some people are watching, but you know, where, where else? What, what are you doing? You're doing a bunch of stuff, uh, which is pretty awesome. So what do yeah, we got so going? Yeah, out the Saturday six. Um, that is a Saturday morning show where I run through six games, spend three minutes on each, um, running through the advanced stats, trying to highlight what Beta Rank thinks about the game. Uh, and then we're also, I mean, Beta Rank is up, it is running, uh, it is not in any way normal. There are a lot of teams that haven't played games, but I'm continuing to put them in, keep them in the rankings with their preseason ranking. Uh, the SEC is going to start this next week, so that'll open things up a little more. Uh, I am. The model will, uh, it'll be an interesting ride as teams come on, I guess you could say, and, and in turn and play this season. Uh, and we're not going to get, I mean, we're going to, like for the Pac-12, like by the time the season ends, we will just be getting to the point where we would normally drop preseason data, right? Like we just get enough yeah. confidence to actually like, you know, stick it to and stick it like uh, stick with the in-season data. So this is going to, it's going to be an interesting ride. But yeah, I mean, keep an eye out. Like we're trying to... Um, we're trying to put out more content uh, with the season um, and kind of refine, also refine what we're doing. And I, I, I've kind of slowed it down a bit on like trying to put out a bunch of content and try to refine, um, you know, what we're doing is we're working in sort of these new mediums like video and <laughs> improve on it. So I'm, I'm really excited about what's going on and, and where we're going. You should, you should check it out at sharpcollegefootball.com or uh, at sharpcollegefootball on Twitter. Yep. All right. Well, we'll catch everybody next week. We'll catch Rob uh, throughout the week also at Sharp College Football and really good stuff there. So looking forward to seeing everybody and uh, send us your questions. 12 Pack Radio. You can uh, email us at 12 Pack Radio at gmail.com. And Rob, your, your emails is it Sharp College? Is it SCF? What, what's the Gmail account there? Uh, it is Sharp CFB at Gmail. Well, we've gotten some good questions there, yeah. too. So so and I'm definitely checking the the uh, um, the feeds there. So uh, looking forward to your questions and we'll catch everybody next week.